Yo, 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 welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the AK Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back. So, I am back. Uh, last week, I was a little under the weather, a little under the weather. My voice was kind of uh, kind of cracky. I could have recorded, but my voice is kind of cracky. I didn't want you guys to hear that. But um, we're back in full effect um, after an exciting, what was this, week 10, week 11? Is, I, think, I think this is week 10. What is week 10? I think this is week 11. <laughs> uh, after an exciting week of uh, NFL football, uh, we're, I would say we're like, we're past the halfway point now. We're just about, like, we're just about past the halfway point. So we are, um, like, the playoff schedule, the standings, we're, we're, you know, we're getting a nice, fresh look at that. The AFC, as expected, is so, so loaded. Um, there's, like, 10 possible teams as we stand right now in the AFC that has a legitimate shot, probably even more, but I'm talking about like teams that have like a legitimate shot at actually getting into that, those wild card spots. Um, NFC is kind of panning out how we expect it. Vikings making a late season push and so forth, but let's get into it. Um, without further ado, always remember, um, so first things first, First things first, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kit of the Isaiah K Pod Isaiah K Podcast. Um, shouts out to everyone that may be listening. Shouts out to everyone that is continuing to stream and download the podcast on whatever uh DSP and any other streaming app that you might use. There's so many now. Um I, I yeah, I, I didn't lose track. I know we're on Apple, I know we're on Spotify. We're probably we're probably on like 10 different other platforms. Um so uh, shouts out to everyone that is doing that for me, sharing the podcast, being here, listening to a little bit of my ignorance and so forth. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, first time listeners, shouts out, shouts out, regular listeners. If you're a regular listener, shouts out to you. We got a lot to get into today. Obviously, got to break down what happened from this past week. Um, pr- you know, I looked at the slate of games back in last, I think it was like Thursday, Friday. I looked at this Sunday's or this past NFL weeks, the slate of games, and I was like, uh, there's only a few games. Like, I was interested in Browns, Ravens. I was interested in Texans, Bengals, because, you know, CJ Stroud, want to see him continue. I wanted to see what, what was going to happen. What was, what's next, right? Um, There was another game. There was another game. There was another game. What was the other game? There were there were select few games. Oh, Jacksonville 49ers, right? Like uh there there weren't a lot of marquee matchups, but and I was I had really low expectations for this week's slate of games, but a lot of games came down to the wire. A lot of games came down to game-winning field goals. I think the Arizona game came down to a game-winning field goal. The Lions-Chargers game came down to a game-winning field goal. Seahawks-Commanders, game-winning field goal. Uh, Broncos-Bills, game-winning field goal. So a lot of one-possession, close, like close nail-biting games, um, nail-biters, and I didn't expect that. So, you know, look at that. Um, and that's that's kind of like the, the the course of the NFL season. You look at the slate of games, and you know some of the teams may not be good, but you know, turns out to be some pretty good games, and you you end up fascinated. 
So where do I start? I want to talk about Jimbo Fisher as well on the college football side. <clears throat> Him getting fired. Uh, where do I start? Like I said, Lions, Jaguars, I was pretty interested in that. I mean, Lions, Chargers, I was pretty fascinated at that game. Um, You know, C.J. Stroud and the Texans winning on the road versus the, the, the hot, the hot Cincinnati Bengals. And I start there. I will start there. I will start with the Texans going on the road to Cincinnati. And CJ Stroud, I would say, up until this point, has been nothing short of phenomenal. You know? Um, I, and this weekend, I was on a chat. I was on Twitter. And I was chatting it up on Twitter and uh, in some uh, Twitter spaces. And I basically said, hey, I was like, and I, I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to talk about this this past the week leading into the game, but I essentially said, hey, if CJ Stroud in this in this Texans team, if they go on the road, and if they're able to just pull out this win versus the Bengals, first <laughs> we got to start asking ourselves, um, are the Texans a playoff team? Like, are they a wild card team? I don't know. Maybe they are, right? And then the second thing was or is because it happened, is C.J. Stroud. Not only is he in the MVP conversation, but is he the front runner? And I know some people are like, well, he's a rookie, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it like you got to ask a question. Like, is he the most valuable? Has he been the most valuable player this year? I mean, because this Texan squad, I thought they made – wasn't a whole lot of, like, high expectations for this Texan squad. And I thought they had a sneaky good – off season of like signings, like guys like Noah Brown and uh, Dalton Schultz, who aren't like Pro Bowl, like you know, Pro Bowl perennial Pro Bowlers or anything, but they are plug and play starters, plug and play starters, and they're on reasonable deals. They're B players, right? B, you know, B minus players. But then, okay, they drafted. Obviously, they hired D'Amico Ryan's. I like the hire. Um, former player. Had a he's he was 49ers really good DC apparently. Um and he has a job now with the Texans. They drafted CJ Stroud at two. I like CJ Stroud coming out of uh, Ohio State, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna get to that one. And I just have to say, I mean, with Stroud, my comp for him coming out of Ohio State was Jared Goff, a more mobile. Jared Goff, a more athletic Jared Goff. And Jared Goff, I mean, Jared Goff, he's 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 a pretty good pretty good player. So you just imagine if you could give Jared Goff some legs, it 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 would look a lot like CJ Stroud. And he's been nothing, like I said, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. And even like he threw for 356 um versus Cincinnati, a touchdown. Um, he had he had one interception that was kind of like you know that almost cost him the game, but it was the final drive, um, and I'm I was kind of sold on it. I'm sold, I'm sold on it. That final drive, Cincinnati goes down. Um, they you know they tie the game up, and C.J. Stroud, ease, poise, confidence, goes down the field. Puts Houston in a position to win the win the game, game winning field goal. They win thirty to twenty seven. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, Stroud, 
there was so much like it was it, it was it was some negative it was more positive than negative but there was some negative and there was some question marks there was some big question marks that a lot of people had for CJ Stroud my only thing and it's funny cuz my only thing with CJ Stroud was okay um prolific passer prolific pocket passer i i loved it but i was like okay is he a guy that is a sitting duck in the pocket or can he actually create and extend plays and make and you know make plays out of broken plays and then i saw it versus georgia and i was like oh he does have it like he he showed it and i was thinking because he's having like numbers wise he's having a very comparable season um to what justin herbert did his rookie year like statistically i think justin herbert had the best rookie year of all time um for a quarterback in, at least in the super bowl era and cj Stroud is very much on that path um he it looked like he's gonna he's gonna throw for over four thousand yards he's gonna probably have about 30 plus touchdown touchdowns like he is like he look, he's gonna have statistically the best rookie season we've seen cj Stroud, granted i don't think his comp isn't Justin Herbert, right? But CJ Stroud, in in terms of this year's draft class, he is the Justin Herbert. Stick with me. Hang with me for a second. Think about it. The knock on Justin Herbert before, and that's the thing. Both of these guys, Stroud and Herbert, they had their best collegiate performances on arguably the biggest stages of their collegiate careers. Herbert in the Rose Bowl versus Wisconsin, he won the MV- he won the Rose Bowl MVP. But we kind of saw the total package: the arm strength, um, the legs, the athleticism. We we kind of saw the mobility from him from Justin Herbert, and we kind of saw it. And we 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 didn't really get glimpses of that. His years and his time at Oregon, he didn't really display that. I thought, for, and I and even back then, I was like, I think that's more of a coaching and scheme kind of failure because the knock on herbert was oh he's a dink and dunk guy he has a big arm but he doesn't use use it like right like he doesn't take shots down the field that was the that was the knock on justin herbert he was a dink and dunk guy he has a big arm for no reason doesn't use his legs so forth so forth right that was that but then he had his biggest he had his best game and showing the total, his whole total package in the biggest stage of his collegiate career. Well, CJ Stroud did the same thing. CJ Stroud, there was questions that, like, like I said, prolific pocket passer. But then there was questions like, okay, can he, can, like, can he, like, extend plays? Can he make something out of nothing? Can we see him utilize his legs and his mobility a little bit? Does he even have it? Some people's like questioning, could he even do it? Then, on the biggest stage versus the best team in the country, Georgia, he did it. He had his best game. He had his best game as a collegiate quarterback versus Georgia in the biggest in the biggest game, college football semi semifinal in the college football playoff. And we all just picked apart Strout, right? And I'm guilty of it too with the whole Ohio State quarterbacks, right? And, and at some point, I always thought to myself, you know, the whole narrative of Ohio State quarterbacks just aren't good. Like, 
And we're like, man, they're throwing the wide open receivers. And we're like, Ohio State, outside of Michigan, Ohio State has far, far, far superior talent than anyone else in the Big Ten. So anything that and anything that an Ohio State quarterback does versus a versus the Big Ten, a team in the Big Ten not named Michigan, we just totally wipe it out and we act like it doesn't exist. We act like it doesn't even exist. And it's funny because I was I was I always thought to myself when that narrative like and I kind of like I, I'm guilty of it. Hey, Ohio State quarterback. None of them work. I know some people like, oh, well, Joe Burrow was at Ohio State. Joe Burrow went to school at Ohio State. Joe Burrow played football at LSU. <laughs> totally different. He went to school at Ohio State. He was an enrolled student, but he actually played football at LSU. So totally different. He don't count. But we kind of knocked it, and I always thought to myself, "There's gonna be one quarterback that's just gonna he that's just gonna break the narrative. He's gonna break the spell. He's gonna be the needle in the haystack." <laughs> think we might have found it. <laughs> think we might have found it. But think about it: Justin Herbert, C.J. Stroud—they're the same. They're Justin Herbert. I mean, C.J. Stroud is the Justin Herbert of this draft class. We just picked them apart. We Nick picked it. You know. I mean, and even, I mean, still to this day, Herbert still deals with the whole, you know, he's talented, but his team loses. And it's like, well, <laughs> kind of hard to win games. Like, do you see what he does? <laughs> he puts up great numbers and puts up 38 points. His defense just allows 41 points. Like, but at times we overthink it. And that's the thing about the quarterback spot. We sometimes overthink it. Because we can have, we can have even a quarterback at a big school, at a big school, big arm, puts up impressive numbers. We talk ourselves out of it. <laughs> it's like, especially with the Ohio State guys, it's like it's too good to be true. It's like it's too good to be true, and that's why I said the Ohio State narrative is like, oh man, he had, they just. They just have far more superior talent than everybody else in the Big Ten outside of like like not named Michigan. Yeah, like yes, that's true, and that's true. They do, they do. They recruit at a different level. They recruit even at times. They recruit at a higher level than Michigan. Yes, so they yeah, they're they're far vastly more deeper and talented than anybody else in their conference. He's throwing the ball to wide open guys. Yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. But it's like we hold we hold these other quarterbacks shortcomings and failures against CJ Stroud. We did it with like like you know, same thing, like people saying same thing about Herbert. Oh, he's just another Marcus Mariota. Oh, he's just another Joey Harrington. He's just he's just another one of those guys. He's just one of those, one of those, one of those Oregon guys that just, you know, just not gonna work out. Just one of those Oregon guys that's just not going to work out. And it's like we hold their shortcomings, those uh, those past quarterback shortcomings and failures against we, – we, we did it with C.J. Stroud. We did it with Justin Herbert. He is – C.J. Stroud is the Justin Herbert of his draft. Even think about it. Before that – before the Justin Herbert draft, it was – remember the whole slogan for tank for Tua? 
even if the Chargers, if the Chargers, it, before they knew what Justin Herbert was going to turn out to be, if you would have told them, if the Chargers had a choice to draft Herbert or Tua before the Dolphins had an actual chance to draft Tua, the Chargers would have chose and drafted Tua. <laughs> so, like, they, that's what it is. And even and same thing with the Texans. If the Texans had no one pick, they would pro- they probably would have chosen Bryce Young, right? Like, it's okay to admit it. They probably would have picked Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud is the Justin Herbert of this year's draft class, of his draft. He's Justin Herbert. Great, really good college careers. You know, big school, big notable, big notable brands. They put up good numbers. They both had their best game on the biggest game or on the biggest stage of their collegiate careers. They get picked apart. Um, they show, you know, what, what people were questioning going into those bowl games, they kind of show it and they like they they play like their best game ever. <laughs> right? And it turns out it is like no, that's that's who they are. That's 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 who they are. The CJ Stroud we saw versus Georgia, no, that, that is who he is. That's who he is. That's what you're getting week in, week out, Sunday from every Sunday. That's what you're getting. Herbert, the Herbert we saw versus Wisconsin, nope, that is what he is. He's gonna show the mobility. He's gonna show the arm. Yeah, that's what he is. But we just talk ourselves out of it sometimes. It's like it's too good to be true. <laughs> with like, with CJ Stroud, it was like it was too good to be true. No way. He, you know, he's a prolific passer. Then he can, you know, he's mobile. Like no way he was that good at Ohio State and is gonna translate. No way. It's like we. It's like we just talk ourselves out of it. And even at a like. All right, so let's shift gears to um another game I kind of found interesting, the Lions. Lions, so Lions beat the Chargers 41-38. to Jared Goff played really, really well. Both quarter, both offense, obviously, when it's 41-38, to both offenses play well, right? Both offenses play really well. And it's something, right? It's something in the NFL where <laughs> some it's, it's something about winning in the NFL because once again Brandon Staley and his defense they kind of just surrender and just lose the game. The Chargers actually had eight plays. They gave up their defense gave up eight plays of twenty or more yards. Right, um, like. And every it's like I said, it's something about winning in the NFL where, like, the Lions are pretty good offensively, but you shouldn't give up eight plays of twenty or more yards, or they shouldn't be averaging eight and a half yards per play. And everybody's gonna say, "Oh well, man, the Chargers' defense is bad," which it is. It's it's atrocious, but the Lions also gave up five hundred yards of total offense, and the Lions uh, gave up thirty eight points. The last Chargers' last five drives went touchdown, 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 touchdown. Five consecutive touchdown drives. So it's, you know, it's funny what winning winning can do for you where it's like, man, you look at the Chargers, they they had a really bad defensive day, and dudes are just running wide open all over the place. But then the Lions, they're like, they're not 
that you know everybody's praising the Lions and you know we're we're about to raise a banner for the Lions. But meanwhile, they gave up 38 points, 500 yards of offense, and last five drives, um, you know, touchdown, 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 touchdown. Like I said, so um, let's get into that one. And I, I, I like for a part of me. Do I want to continue on the Brandon Staley tangent? No. I don't. I, I really don't. And it seems like with the Chargers and Staley, n- my pet peeve for coaches is, like, usually coaches are, like, offensive-minded guys or defensive-minded guys. Or maybe you just got a CEO coach, like a Dan Campbell. He's a CEO coach. CEO coach. Uh, Mike Tomlin is a C. Like, they just oversee everything. But some of these guys that are just specialists, they're po- he's a defensive genius. That's how he got the head coaching job. Or he's an offensive genius. That's how he got the head coaching job. Right? Granted, my pet peeve for coaches, if you're this offensive genius, your team could be mediocre. Right? Like, worst case scenario, your team can be mediocre, but at least have the offense looking somewhat decent same thing if you're a defensive guy vice versa if you're a defensive guy okay you you know you may not be the best coach or your team may not be that good maybe a mediocre team but at least your defense like with robert salah and i'm gonna i'm gonna get to the jets but at least with robert robert salah he got the job the jets head coaching job because of him being a great defensive coordinator with the niners he's a defensive minded guy the one thing I can say with Salah is his demons are good. He just can't figure out the quarterback offensive thing, right? And obviously Rodgers is hurt, right? But I'm going to talk about the Jets. But at least over his years since he's been a, the Jets head coach, they have been a top 10 defense, right? <laughs> like that like that remains true and tested. They have been a top 10 defense. That That's the one thing he's gotten right. With Staley, he can't even get it right. And the bad thing with the Chargers is not only is his defense bad, but in the biggest moments, in the biggest moments when you need a third down stop, you need a fourth down stop, dudes are just running wide open. And it's the, it's like I watched the Charger games and it all the games look damn near the same. Chargers defense need a big time stop or the Chargers defense just need to make a third and eight stop, a third and nine stop. The opposing offense is faced with a third and long and they got it. They got it's a third and 11 and you be damned, snap the ball. Someone's wide open. It's like not only is this defense bad, but it seems like the players at the most opportune times are never in the right position to make a play. Like, dudes are just running wide open on critical third downs. It's not like you're forcing uh, the offense or you're not. You're, it's like it's not it's not like you're forcing the quarterback to make a tight window throw and his receiver makes a, a you know, just a miracle type catch. No, 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 no. Dude's just wide open. It's a blown assignment, a blown coverage. <laughs> it happens all the time with the Chargers. All the time. So your defense is not only bad, but in the biggest moments, 
they're not good. Like they have dudes just running free, butt naked open. <laughs> like it's crazy. So I can harp on that. I don't want to continue to do that. We kind of know the Chargers dealio. The Lions, on the other hand, like I said, it's it's funny what winning can do for you because everybody's like, man, woohoo! The Lions, they're seven and two. They're gonna probably be a top two seed in the NFC. I mean, the way how their schedule looks, it looks like a lot of W's. They're gonna win their division. It looks like with ease. Man, life's good if you're a Lions fan, and life is good if you're a Lions fan. I don't want to be the the, the the guy that's poo pooing the Lions, but it's, I'm just pointing out how the NFL works, where you know the win, the winning and the losing result of things. Like when you win. It's okay if you gave up 30. You know, it's okay if you gave up 38 points, 500 yards. Cool. You lose. Oh, you gave up 41. Not only did you give up 41, but you gave up 500. Like, you just, you just, yeah. And you lost. Right? So, that's that's the funny part. But the Lions, Jared Goff and this offense is, they're really efficient. And I will say this. I think the Lions are really, really good. And it's looking like they're going to end up being like a 13 win team look like this team could easily get to 12 wins i'm looking at their schedule now they play chicago this upcoming week they got green bay for thanksgiving day they got the saints they got the bears they got the broncos they got they got the vikings again um they got uh Dallas. Like I don't see I, this this Lions team legitimately. They're gonna they're gonna ramble off about thirteen wins. They're what seven and two. This last what eight game stretch. What could they go? It looks like I'm. I mean the Cowboy game. That's gonna be a tough one. I mean the Broncos are playing some good football. The Saints are playing some. You know the Saints are okay. They're solid, but I mean. Max, I, this stretch. So let's let me read it again. They got Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears again, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, and then Vikings in the in, in the season. This stretch for the Lions. I mean, I see maybe two losses. You probably lose. Maybe you lose to the Cowboys, and maybe you just drop one in the division because it's in a divisional. It's a divisional opponent. Maybe, maybe. Maybe they went. Maybe they go undefeated in their division. I don't know, but we're looking at a possible maybe two losses. I give them two losses in that stretch. They're gonna finish. With, they're gonna finish with a thirteen and four record. I don't know if that's gonna be good enough to beat Philly. Philly, I don't know. Philly got a tough stretch coming up as well, but I don't know. I I I think the Lions. They're really pacing themselves and setting themselves up to get a one to either be the one or two seed in the NFC with that schedule. I mean, <laughs> with that schedule, it looks like they're going to, it looks like they're going to like enjoy comfortably getting at least a two seed. I can't at this point, I cannot, unless something just traumatic happens or some injuries, I cannot see the Lions finishing nowhere below two. If I'm being honest, I can't. Because at least with the Niners, they still got to deal with the Seahawks. Um, the Niners, I know they got, like, I think they got to play Philly. They got to play Kansas City. They got some, they still got some matchups they got to get through. 
Same thing with Philly. Philly got to play Buffalo. Philly got to play Dallas again. Philly has to play Kansas City. Um, so, yeah, I don't see the Lions finishing in the NFC. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I don't see them finishing no lower than the number two seed. I think they finish with a top two seed in the conference. Um, Jaguars, 49ers. Speaking of the Niners, Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence with a stinker versus the 49ers. 49ers tapped them 34-3. And should we panic? So so first, I'm going to ask two questions. Should we panic about the Jaguars? Right? Should we panic about the Jaguars? And then the second question is, we shouldn't have panic. Should we have panic versus like with the Niners? I don't know. Let's talk about the Niners first. Obviously, Debo Samuel having him back in the lineup. I don't think he's their number one receiver. Like I don't think he's their best quote unquote quote unquote receiver. I think Ayuk has become that, but. Debo's presence cannot be like his presence was surely missed and you just can't like you can't replicate that it's going to be it's really hard for the Niners with this squad to replicate his presence same thing with Trent Williams obviously Trent Williams is arguably the best left tackle of my generation uh best left tackle in the game so having him back also helps too defensively though they 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 went on a roll they they went on a roll. They got four turnovers. That looked like the Niner defense that a lot that we're accustomed to seeing. Um, so big win for the Niners. Brock Purdy also got back on track. So the Niners, they're in they're in good they're in good standing. Um, like I said, I don't know what their schedule looks like. Can we please pull up their schedule? Can someone? Uh, I gotta. I'm working it. Can we pull up the 49ers schedule? And here we go. So the Niners, they got Tampa Bay next week. That should be a win. They got the Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks again in the next coming weeks. Then they play the Cardinals. Then they play the Ravens on Christmas Day. That finish off with the Commanders and the Rams. So, you know, they got kind of, you know, Niners got to play the Seahawks, got to play the Ravens, they got to play the Eagles. Commanders aren't bad. So they got they got some they got some they got some pretty good games they got to still play. Let's get to the Jaguars. Should we be concerned or should we panic about the Jacksonville Jaguars? And honestly, it's funny because all of you know what I'm noticing what I'm noticing is every team that we think highly of or every team that we think can make some noise or that is a contender, they all have like uh like a what the hell type of loss. Like a what the like what in the hell? Like they all have that type of loss this year. Um Phillies came against the Jets where it's like, whoa, like why did why like why did they look like that? Um, the Cowboys, their loss was versus the uh, 49ers, where it's like, whoa, what the hell? Um, Lions had one versus Baltimore, where it was like, whoa, they didn't even come off the team bus. They weren't even ready to play. 
Um, the Ravens just had one, you know, versus the Browns. Like, whoa, not, you know, what the hell? Kansas City had one versus the Broncos. So, like, you get the gist. Every all of these teams that we like that we think really highly of and that we just we 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 you know we think they're contenders or we think they can make some noise, they all have a loss that's really head scratching on their resume. All of them. And it's just the course of the NFL. Now, here's the thing about the Jaguars that I think people are not talking enough of or talking about enough, and it's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, I think is a really good quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback, and I think week in, week out, he's a top 10 guy. Now, to that whole, the caveat to that is, he is not elite yet. Trevor Lawrence is not elite. And last year, the second half of last year, he was playing at a really, really high level, and a lot of us, you know, that second half of last year, they got to the playoffs, kind of turned around, got to the playoffs, won a playoff game, competed. You know, they they were they were competing with Kansas City in that divisional game. So looking ahead of this year, we were expecting a jump. And that jump we were expecting from Trevor Lawrence, it just hasn't quite happened yet. And I think we're looking at a Jaguars team. They're going to finish with a pretty sweet record, like, now, as I predicted this year, I looked at their schedule. Uh, I looked at their division. Now, turns out their division is not as bad as I thought it would be. But I still think they're the they're the more superior team in their division. And I thought they would end up with about 11, 12 wins. I thought they can ramble off some wins. And it looks, it looks like they're going to be like an 11 or 12 win team. But it looks like they are truly a year or two away from being a like a destined Super Bowl contender, a bona fide Super Bowl contender. It looks like they're about a year or two away. Um, and you know, maybe like their defense isn't great, but their defense can do everything. Their defense is capable of stopping the run. Their defense is capable of getting to the quarterback. Their defense is capable of forcing and, you know, committing turnovers, right? It's capable of doing – it does everything. Jack all trades, not, not – you know, a master of none. So they do everything pretty decently well, but they don't, like – they don't just they – they can't, like, just uh, – they stop the run. You know it. They can, right, or they get to the quarterback. I mean, or they just cost amount of sack. Like they they can sack the quarterback. They're not like a crazy good pass rushing team like the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Niners, right? So that's the thing with Jacksonville. I think they're a year away, and I think some people's expectations might be a little higher than what they actually should be because this night this Niners game it really wasn't out of reach necessarily. Right. Um, I thought the when the game became out of reach, it, the you know, so it was 10-0. Niners scored a touchdown, field goal. It was 10-0. But the game changer here was the Jaguars next five possession possessions go four turnovers, field goal. That was their next five possessions results. That was the ending result. 
four turnovers and a field goal. And that's where you can't, you're not going to beat the Niners. Like, plan, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to beat the Niners. And then that's how you end up 34 to three. That's how you, that's how you end up getting a 34 to three ass kicking. Just like that. It, it comes at you quick, right? Um, I want to get to Denver's big time Monday night win. So the next one I wanted to talk about Ravens. This is also one. This is a one o'clock game, I think. Um, Ravens Browns. It's interesting. Baltimore. That this is the type of game where <clears throat> I wanted to watch, and but Baltimore went up seventeen to three. And but before that, Deshaun Watson he had like a a pick six, the like second play of the game, and I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow, oh, wow. This is getting bad. But then, okay, Ravens go up 17 to 3. Uh it, it, it was it, it was looking like one of those games, especially the way how Baltimore's been looking over the past several weeks, going on a month now. It was like, uh, okay, this is Baltimore up 17-3. Like, kind of seen this with Detroit, kind of seen with the seen this with Seattle. They've been kind of like curve stomping teams. So I've been like, uh, okay, not gonna tune into it. Then I saw it was 24 to 9. I'm like, okay. <laughs> still not gonna tune into it. Baltimore still looks like they have a chokehold on the game. Then it was 31-17. I was like, okay. Look like they're gonna still cruise the victory. <laughs> then I look up. Baltimore, <laughs> they it's 33-31. They lost the damn game. And I don't know. I, I <laughs> was this good Baltimore? Uh like was this good Baltimore or was this bad? I mean, or I should say bad Baltimore or good Cleveland. I think Cleveland, I've been telling you guys, I think Cleveland is legit. I think they're legit. And I I just I wonder, and I've been kind of thinking about it. Cause down. Deshaun Watson, first half, he was like 6 for 20. He, he did not play good in the first half. Second half, went 14 for 14, I think for about 142 yards. And then also he made, uh, he made uh, you know, uh, several key plays with his legs. Um, and that's what ultimately did it in for Cleveland offensively. So he, had a, he, he bounced back and had a, a pretty good second half. And I was going to say, this is – Last two weeks, you know, and I'm gonna talk about Russell Wilson, and but last two weeks, Deshaun Watson has played better football. Now, is it 230 million dollars guaranteed football? No, no, it's still not. It's still not at a level that the Browns expected to be at. But it is better football than what, what than what he was displaying the first several weeks of the season. The same could be said for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has played better football. He's played better football overall this year. He's played better than what he than what he did last year. Last year he looked like he looked washed. I was asking like is Russell Wilson washed? This year he looks like a competent quarterback, not a top 10 quarterback, but it looks he looks like a top at least top 16 top half quarterback where you get good you get some good defensive play you know good coaching you can you can do something with that you can win games 
And with the with Deshaun Watson, I've kind of talked about it with the Browns. They have a really good defense. They have a defense. They have the type of defense that can not only keep you, but win you games. And if they just get competent quarterback play where the quarterback can make some plays with his arms or his legs, and they can just score some points, they can be they can make some noise and win a playoff game or two potentially. Like that's how good their defense is. Um now with Lamar Jackson, and, and that's what I'm gonna say about Cleveland, you know, their defense is stellar. They just need competent quarterback play. With Baltimore, and I know this has now become a question where Lamar Jackson and his turnovers are becoming more glaring. And it was an issue. And a lot of people, some people are like, hey, Baltimore has been really, really good. And they've been really, really dominant. And it's been more of a defensive story. And Lamar in his, I'm not going to say, I think Lamar Jackson has been playing well. But some people might say Lamar's play has been mediocre. And it's been kind of masked because of the Ravens' blowout wins. But now in losses, his mediocre play is more on full display. And I think some of his turnovers, it's not just black and white. These interceptions are not just black and white. Right? It's, I think there are some things, there's context that comes with the game of football in general. But then with these turnovers, now we have turnover-worthy plays. Right, so a lot of this stuff, it, it, it you have to contextualize it. Ultimately, Baltimore, I think their ceiling, and if you guys remember, which is going to probably come back to hurt them uh, or hunt them, I should say, is injuries. I struggle with the fact that Baltimore's key guys get hurt pretty often um, over the past several years, like. <laughs> Like from Lamar Jackson to Ronnie Stanley to Marlon Humphrey, um, their key guys tend to get hurt. They already dan- they already lost J.K. Dobbins. Um, I I was wor- very worried about OBJ and his health because he hasn't been the healthiest guy over the past several years. I just hey, I, I that was my biggest thing with Baltimore. It's not that I didn't like their roster. Not, it's not that I, I didn't think John Harbaugh Hob- uh, couldn't coach. No, I struggle with the fact that, hey, I know around, I don't know, let me look at the calendar. Around this time of the year, a lot of their guys get hurt when it's time to make a playoff push. And I'd be damned, they lost Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey. And it's not looking too good because they got to play Cincinnati this upcoming Thursday. I don't know. I don't know. But that was my biggest concern with Baltimore. And now, throughout the the grand scheme of things, I thought coming in, I thought Baltimore could be a 12-13 win team. With some of these injuries, I don't know. I don't know if 13 wins is still on the table when you still have the 49ers left. I think you still got to play Miami. Um, you have you you have Cincinnati coming up this week. You gotta play, you gotta play Pittsburgh one more time. So like, the possibility of that happening, I don't know. I don't know if the thirteen wins are still on the table. Twelve, eleven, very much still in play. 
13 may be a push with them being at seven and three already. With them being, you know, for them to get 13 wins, they would have to lose one game for the rest of the season. I, I don't know. I don't really see that happening. I don't think I will bet against that happening. I don't know. But Baltimore, like I said, all of these teams have, like all of the teams that we think highly of or that we just we just think that can, they, you know, they can contend, they all have had scratching losses. I thought Baltimore, they, have, they now have two. Well, honestly, they now have three because the Indianapolis loss, head-scratching one, they kind of gave that game away via Lamar turnovers. He had a couple fumbles in that game. Pittsburgh game, their skill positions guys had a collapse, a colossal collapse, and they lost to Pittsburgh, a very winnable game that they had control of. And then now in this game versus Cleveland where they they let go of a two-score lead, and this has kind of been the trend for them over the past couple years where they can't hold leads. Pretty interesting. Um, same goes for let's go to Denver and the and um the the Bills game, Monday night football. Now, with Josh Allen, you have one of the more talented guys at the position, and sometimes he's gonna make throws that guys in the league can only dream of. And he's gonna make decisions that if other guys around the league made the same decisions, that, like they would be heavily, heavily scrutinized because they don't have the arm talent. They don't possess the arm talent and the skills that Josh Allen possesses. Possesses, But then some of these decisions are just piss-poor decisions, and they're not even close to being completions. And before I go on the whole Bills tangent, I want to give some I want to give some props to Sean Payton and his Denver team because first four, five, six weeks of the season, I was like, ooh, is this... Is this not going to work with Sean Payton? I was wondering that. And I was wondering, I'm like, hey, is like, what is Russell Wilson's trade value? Because I'm like, I thought that I thought the Broncos were doomed. I thought they were doomed. Now, are they a playoff team? Mm, probably not, right? Pro- probably, probably not. But this football that they have been playing over the past several weeks, couple of weeks, has been really good. And it was kind of good to see Russell Wilson making some plays, you know, tr- kind of turning back the clock a little bit where he escaping, escaping, scrambling, finds uh, Cortland Sutton in the back of the end zone for a near impossible completion. And he they score. They went on the field goal like got it. It was kind of it was really good to see Russell Wilson turn back the clock. And the Broncos look like they're playing some more inspiring football um, over the past couple of se- uh, oh, past couple of uh, weeks. I should say not seasons, but weeks. Um, and two big wins, Kansas City and Buffalo. On the Buffalo side of things, this Bills team, they make you scratch your head. And I'm not saying Sean McDermott should be fired. Not saying that at all. I am not saying he should be fired. But I'm looking at this team. And the Broncos win was one of the craziest wins I have seen all year. Because the Bills, even with their four turnovers and this and how despicable the offense may have been looking um in this game, they still were in prime position. <laughs> to win this game, and they still gave it up. 
Now, Sean McDermott has he has to be better. You cannot like that 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 twelve men on the field penalty cannot happen. If you're a true top top end top tier coach, that cannot happen in that predicament. You know he had like he has to bring them back to life. But tonight was as bad as a loss that the Bills have suffered this year. Even even the Patriots loss, I and and, and honestly, let me not even poo-poo it. The Bills losses look bad. Like week one versus the Jets. That was atrocious. That was a bad loss. The Patriots loss. Like you allowed that Patriots offense to score. 25 plus points on you? Huh? What? Come on. Stop. The the Bengals lost in terms of the opponent, that's not that's an that's a worthy opponent to lose to, but the way it looked, it looked choppy. It didn't look good. And now this loss to the Broncos where if the Broncos were a better football team, this game probably would not be close with those four. Like it would not, it probably wouldn't have been that close. But the Broncos are still a, like a work in progress. But this is as bad as a loss, and not only that, the timing is worse because I'm just looking at this Bill schedule. They might be screwed. They might miss the playoffs because I'm looking at a team that has. I see eight wins, maybe eight, nine wins. And I think in the, in this deep loaded AFC, in order to get that last wild card spot, you're probably going to have to get the 10. You're probably looking at a 10 win team at that last wild card spot. And we can go to the Bills schedule, but it's not looking too good. I think they have one of the toughest remaining schedules in football. They got the Jets coming up <clears throat> this week. They got the Eagles coming up the following week. Then they got the Chiefs. Then they got the Cowboys. The Chargers won't be no walking apart. The Patriots, they played them pretty hard. And then you finish off with the Dolphins. Where they're five and five. Where's the five wins? <laughs> Where's the five wins? You cannot lose this game to the Broncos, to this Broncos team at home when you're only one game above 500 and Thanksgiving is around the corner. You can't lose that game. You can't lose that game. And is Sean McDermott's job in jeopardy? Perhaps, maybe. I do think, does he deserve to get fired? I would probably lean on the side of no. But I'm sure others who may lean yes, can make a very valid argument as to why he should be fired. And Josh Allen, he's regressed. He's regressed. And his interceptions do not help this this case, right? And basically, over the last several years, Josh Allen has led the league interceptions. Now, the thing with that is, when you point out that he leads the league in interceptions, it kind of makes interceptions at, like you can't take the stat at face value because Josh Allen over the last five years 
Like he's led a top five offense. So granted, he may have the most interceptions since he's essentially entered the league, but all these years that he's led the league in interceptions, the Bills have had top five offenses. So it's not like they're not producing or they're not productive offensively. But I think also we have to acknowledge the fact that is that the like that's a problem. Josh Allen has to clean up the turnovers. But this is who he is. Like Josh Allen is, I call him this generation's Brett Favre. That's what I've been calling him that for years now. He's this generation's Brett Favre. That same point point period. He's this generation's Brett Favre. So he's going to always be a gunslinger. He's always going to be a guy that's going to take chances and take risks because he has tremendous arm talent. But is that the is that the main issue? Or is that one of the is that the biggest issue? Or is it them? Is it the Bills in you know investing in aging players and having some bad draft choices over the years? Is it Josh Allen turnovers or is it them investing in some older defensive guys who can't stay healthy now? They have some bad they some they, they have some bad draft choices that have kind of backfired and it has them fighting for their playoff lives. Is it that or is it Josh Allen interceptions? And I'm the guy Two things can be true. Two things can be true. Yes, Bills haven't done the best job at terms of, in terms of like roster management, and they've kind of invested in some older players. But then also on the flip side, yes, Josh Allen's turnovers can be costly in terms of in-game situations. But I don't think that's the biggest reason. I think the biggest, their biggest problem, the Bills' biggest problem is their mismanagement and their misconstruction of their roster. That is that is the Bills' biggest problem to date. Because Josh Allen's gonna be Josh Allen. Sorry. But he's gonna be Josh Allen. And yes, as a top two, three quarterback, however you look at him in this league, top five. You can't make some of the mistakes and some of the decisions that he makes. But I don't think that is the Bills' biggest problem. I don't think that's their biggest problem. I think their biggest problem over the couple over the past couple of years has been their their roster misconstruction and they have just basically funneled and invested money into older defensive players. And they've had some bad bad draft choices as well. That's what I think. That's what I think. So Bills, the Bills may find themselves this year playoffs and the outside looking in because where where does the other five to six wins on this Bills get? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? I mean, okay, they beat the Jets. Are they going to beat Philly at Philly? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Are they going to beat Kansas City at Kansas City? Uh, who knows? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it. They're going to beat Dallas? Uh, I don't know. Wouldn't bet on it. They're going to beat the Chargers? 
Who knows? Charge might get up and play well that night. Who knows? I don't know. And then the last two last two games is Patriots Dolphins. Ah, they might be on the outside looking in. They might be screwed. All right, so I'm gonna get to what is left that I have to get to. I'm gonna get to my top ten teams. Yeah, we're gonna talk about top ten teams. Um, and I would do a separate pod for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. It deserves a separate pod. It deserves a separate pod. I'm gonna do a separate one. So, top ten teams. I think, I think that was pretty much all the games I wanted to cover. Yeah, we're gonna get into top ten teams. Okay, so what we've all been waiting for, <clears throat> my top ten teams. We're about fifty-five mi- or ish so minutes into the pod. This is a bit. Of, this has been a really long pod. A lot of content and so forth. Hope you guys are enjoying it. But you guys know on the weekly basis, um, we do, I do my annual top 10 list. Um, so this is my top 10 list at the conclusion of this week. And I feel pretty solid about it. Let's go. At 10, I got the Jaguars. <clears throat> so I'm not going to panic. I know they had a devastating, I know they had a crazy, horrendous loss to the Niners. But I'm not going to panic. Like I was talking about. The Jaguars are, I feel like they're a year or two away from truly, truly being elite and a true Super Bowl contender. Um, Some of that is because I think their roster is still kind of, you know, kind of rebuild-ish. And then also their quarterback, I think is really good. I think Trevor Lawrence is really good, but he is not elite. He is not elite. At times, he looks really, really good. The second half of last year, he looked really, really good. Um, and there's been times this year where he's looked really good. But he's not quite elite. He has not bust through that elite door quite yet. Um, I still like them to win their division. They're going to end up with a sweet-looking record. Um, but in terms of them in the upper echelon of the AFC, in terms of them being an elite team, I don't think they're there yet. And I still think they're about a year away. Jags at ten, at nine I got the Dolphins. They didn't move. Um, I didn't. I. I. I you know. I didn't want to move them up or down. Um, due to the bye week. So Dolphins at nine. You guys know how I feel about them. At eight, I have the Browns. You know. I. You know. Not a lot. I think the Dolphins are a lot more flashier, and they like they might be a little bit more exciting to watch. But the Browns defensively. They're really, really good. They have a championship caliber defense. This is the type of defense that can get deep into the playoffs. This is the type of defense that can make it to divisional weekend. This is they're they're built just like that. This defense is really it, it, it they're they're built. They're built really well, led by Jim Schwartz, um, Miles Garrett, and a, and a litany of those other pass rushers are real they, they get after it they truly do my biggest question mark with the browns was the quarterback spot and deshaun watson as i discussed earlier in the pod you know these last couple of weeks it, it, funny thing him and russell wilson two guys that i really banged on early on in the season and i, I kind of like i criticized them heavily those guys have kind of played well these last few weeks or so and that's what i'm saying with deshaun he's not as good um, or I, and I don't quite frankly, I don't think he's ever going to be as good as he was in those in, you know, some of those years in Houston that he had, 
But if they can just get this type of play where he can make some plays with his arm, make some plays with his legs, the Browns are formidable. They are formidable, and they have an adequate enough offense that can balance out that dominant defense that they have. Browns at eight. At seven, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not going to panic. They lost to Houston. That loss to Houston is not as bad as it looks. I thought heavily – I thought about putting the Texans on this list. I, I don't I don't I want to see how they finish out the year or these next coming weeks. But Cincinnati, I'm not gonna let I, I'm not gonna just push them to the wayside. They're still very much formidable. Um and let's be honest, if Tyler Boyd catches that ball in the end zone, they probably win that game. They probably win that game and we're probably singing a different tune about Cincinnati today. So I got them at seven. At six, I have the Lions. I really, really like the Lions. Um, I'm, I'm at nip and tuck with them and the Cowboys. I, I feel like I have more trust in the Cowboys. Um, I think, I feel like the Cowboys have more elite, truly elite players, but the lions, they're young. A lot of their guys are young on rookie deals. Um, their defense has improved from last year. Now I think the, the, the strength of their defense is definitely more towards their front seven. Um, that back end is a little bit suspect, a little questionable, questionable. Um, but I like the Lions at six. Also, Jared Goff in this offense, when they – Jared Goff in general, when he is in in a dome, whether he's in a dome or it's solid weather, he is really, really good. It's where you get him outdoors and the weather's a little inclement and it's, you know, a little cold. That's where Goff can kind of like, you know – Get a little cold, but indoors in a dome, jerk golf is you you can let you give him the ability to throw it around the girl, he can do it, he can really do it. Um, so Lions offense look looks really good. I got them at six. At five, I got the Cowboys. I feel like the Cowboys have a little bit more firepower defensively. I trust their def- I trust their defense a little bit more. Um, I think they're a little older in some spots. Um, and the Cowboys may not have as many young dudes that's in their prime um, or as many young dudes that's on rookie contracts, but I like this Cowboy team. Um, now, the big thing is, the big thing with the Cowboys is they got to win. They got to start beating some quality opponents. You know, they beat up on these lousy teams, which I don't want to poo-poo, you know, but they got to start winning these big time games versus the Eagles and the Niners. They gotta they gotta they gotta start winning these games um for anyone to take them seriously. But I got the Cowboys at five. At four I got the 49ers. I think the 49ers are a little bit better right now. I think the 49ers are a little bit more built to beat the Cowboys. The 49ers when healthy I think arguably has the best roster in football. They little outside of the quarterback spot and maybe the cornerback spot, they probably have a Pro Bowl caliber player at each and every position, literally. Like, at tackle, they have it. At defensive tackle, they have it. At offensive tackle, they have it. At um, DN, running back, wide receiver, tight end, linebacker. Like, they, at every key position, at every position, outside of quarterback and DB, they have a pro bowl proven pro bowl caliber player. Um, so this is probably the best roster when healthy in football. 
49ers at four. At three, the Ravens. Once again, I don't want to panic, but this I, I am seeing trends. I love trends. I love pointing out trends and patterns. And the Ravens have a trend of first letting games slip away and kind of getting really turnover happy. But then also they can't keep fourth quarter leads. You know, over the, this has been a this has been a theme for the Ravens over the past couple of seasons where they seem to lose fourth quarter leads. And it's usually to inferior teams. It's usually to teams that's not like better than them. That's not outright better than them. I don't think Cleveland is just better than Cle than than Baltimore. I don't. I think Cleveland. I think Cleveland's good. Obviously, they're on my list. But I don't think they're better than Baltimore. They shouldn't be able to come back and beat Baltimore after Baltimore had a fourteen point lead for the majority of the game. Like that should not happen. Baltimore is better than that. Now, as I've also worried about, Baltimore's having they got they got some injuries to some key dudes. That's I kind of question Baltimore. Can they stay healthy throughout the course of the season? I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how it plays out these next few weeks. Um, but I got the Ravens at three. At two, I have the Eagles. Um on a bye week, they haven't, but up until this point, they haven't played a complete clean game. And I'm waiting for them to play. And I feel like we're all we like we can acknowledge that the talent that they have on both sides is phenomenal. And we can we can acknowledge that they are probably the favorites going into the playoffs coming out of the NFC, right? But we have yet to see them play a full, complete game. And I know everybody's like, man, they're gonna at some point, they're gonna play a full complete game. So we think. Would a Philadelphia just grant granted talent-wise, they're awesome. But what if they never just play a full complete game? I don't know. Maybe we see it in these next coming weeks because they do um, you know, unlike the Cowboys, the Eagles do a really good job at beating teams with winning records. They that they play up to competition and they do they they win a lot of games versus teams with winning records. They have a lot of wins. They have compiled a lot of wins over the past couple of years with those caliber teams. Eagles at two. Chiefs at one. I mean, let's be honest. First, Andy Reid is 27-4 and four coming off of a bye. That includes the playoffs. With this Chiefs team, <clears throat> it's funny because they have the 12th. Their offense is ranked 12th. They have, but they have the number, I think they have like a, I think, I think they have a top three defense or number one defense in the league, maybe. If the roles were reverse, if they had the 12th best defense in the league and the number one offense, everybody would be like, oh, everything's just perfect in Kansas City. There are no doubts, the hands down favorites. But now with them having the 12th rated offense, and the first ring defense is like, ah, uh, the sky is kind of falling a little bit. And there's some people that's like, uh, are we sure Kansas City's the best team in the AFC? Leaving doubt. But I like the fact that their offense is the 12th ranked offense and they still find themselves in top of the AFC. Granted, I think they're still trying to figure out what their young receiving core. But what if Kansas, like, are we really worried about Kansas City not being able to score points? I think they'll be able to manufacture enough plays and points 
and he's in these big key situation and games to over to eventually get over the hump. This Chiefs team is really good. It might be this this I've been telling you guys this all year long, but this is the best defense that Mahomes has had since he's been a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I got the Chiefs at one. So this is gonna conclude my top 10 list. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is a really, really long episode. So hope you guys enjoyed it. I, when, you know, no matter if you if you're on your way to work, maybe you listening to it while you're at work. Maybe you you're you know you about to wind down. You're going to sleep and so forth. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, always remember two choices, one decision. I catch you guys on the flip side. Also, if you want to, um, I'll be releasing. Um, my thoughts on some college football thoughts and um, on Jim Jimbo Fisher and so forth. So if you want to catch that out or check that out, um, it'll come out the same day as this episode. So enjoy. <laughs>